Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode seven. We've made it to episode seven. I don't know. That just seems pretty cool to me. Uh, as I said on last week's episode, I love how many people are listening to this podcast. I really do. I can see the numbers here, and they keep climbing, and I, I don't get it. I mean, look, I know that I'm talking to really cool people. I know that we're talking about interesting topics, but there are a lot of great people out there doing great work. I don't know. It's just cool to me, and I appreciate it. So, you probably noticed a new format on the podcast last week. Not only did we have another interview, which is going to be more often because people are coming out of the woodwork going, thank you for talking about this. I would love to do so. And that's sweet to me. That makes me super happy. But we also had a shout out to start the episode. Now, I'm not always going to have someone as amazing as Milana Weintraub. Weintraub, I apologize. I'm not 100% sure of how to pronounce her name, but she's great. But... We are going to do that every episode now. Uh, Someone is going to start off the episode with a little bit of a shout out about the topics of addiction and mental health. Like I said before, I'm just super happy that so many people are listening and that so many people want to be a part of this podcast. That makes me incredibly happy. So if you want to be part of that, I've had a bunch of people reach out. Please keep it going. I've got a nice list going, but... You can reach out to me and tell me that you want to be part of the shout out. I would love to have you. Um, And it can be about anything in those parameters, about addiction, about mental health. The person doing it for today's episode is a super good friend of mine. Her name is Missy Day. She is a ray of sunshine. Uh, You'll hear that (laughs) in this intro. Um, She is a senior... Marketing manager, I think it's her title, for T-Mobile out in Seattle. We were friends when we were younger, uh, sort of after high school, that period. We're still friends. I mean, when I say we were friends, we were friends when we were in person in Cincinnati, Ohio, back then. And we've been friends ever since. Um, She's great. You're going to hear a really interesting take on addiction from her. She does address the difference between physical dependence and addiction, which is a really interesting topic. It's one that creates a lot of discussion. It's one that people still sort of disagree on. Uh, You'll hear a really interesting take from her, and I'm so thankful that she shared her own story, which is a slightly different one than you hear a lot, and and I love it, and I really appreciate her, and I cherish our friendship. I really do. So the interview today... If you thought that just hearing from Missy Day was amazing, (laughs) you're going to be blown away by this interview. I'm so excited for y'all to hear it. I'm excited to hear what you say afterwards. Uh, His name is Mike Passion. He is the CEO of Mountain Made uh, and one of the founders. He's been in the cannabis industry since the late 2000s, back when, as you'll hear him say on the interview, they weren't sure if their doors were going to get kicked in and agents were going to be dropping from the skylights. I mean, this guy was one of the early, early entrepreneurs when it came to the weed industry. Just a fascinating interview. Our stories are similar in some ways. Obviously, I'm not in the weed industry. I mean, our personal stories. And he's just an incredible, incredible guy. Not only was he great to talk to, and you'll enjoy this interview, but he sent me some product afterwards to try, and um, I haven't been feeling great. I don't have COVID. Don't worry. Uh, not going to get too into what's going on with me still waiting on you know some doctor's <laughs> results and, and stuff like that, but his product has been incredible during this. I, I've, I've been in a little bit of pain, you know, nothing too bad, but a little bit, and I tried his CBD for that, and it was, it's been great. I, it's, I, I cannot overstress how 
thankful I am that I that he and I crossed paths this at this time. It was it was incredible. So uh, enjoy that interview. Enjoy Missy's shout out and reach out if you want to be a part of this. If you want to tell me, you know, what you're enjoying, what you're not enjoying, what you want more of. All of you who have reached out about bracelets, thank you. It's awesome. I'm sending them out super quickly. And that makes me happy. Like, I, I, I can't stress that enough. I want to get rid of these. Not because, not because I want them gone, but because it makes me super happy to think that people want them and they are going out into the world. So reach out. Uh, you'll hear again on this podcast how to do so. For everything else, my website is www.jayshifman.com. I am the next Schiffman, S-H-I-F-M-A-N, on Instagram. I am at J.B. Schiffman on Twitter and on Facebook and LinkedIn. I am J. Schiffman. So reach out. Look forward to hearing from all of you. Uh, and spread some love this week. You know, uh, that's where I am right now because of the health stuff. And also, I'm recording this intro on the 15th of April. I was supposed to be sitting front row at the Boston Celtics last home game of the year tonight, crossing something off my bucket list. The end of March was my 10-year anniversary of being in recovery, and this trip was going to be a, uh, you know, a celebration of that, and it's not happening. Obviously not that big of a deal. You know, I miss, I'm missing that experience. That experience would be a once-in-a-lifetime amazing experience, but I can do that again with everything else happening in the world. Obviously, that puts that in perspective with what's going on with my health, puts that in perspective. But spread some love, uh, and I will catch you after the interview. So I guess, like, I never thought that I was an addict until I started really, like, diving into, like, my own self and realizing my own addictive patterns. I think a lot of people think addiction just means, like, you're addicted to alcohol or drugs. And even when I say, like, I smoke a lot of weed, I think people are like, oh, that's not an addiction. It's not habit-forming. Just, like, so many things could be habit forming. And um, both of my parents grew up with forms of addiction that I don't think people would have ever associated with addiction. Um, like, for example, both my parents are very conscious of their weight. So I grew up with this image of myself and needing to be a certain weight. Like my dad, he always worked out multiple times a day, morning, lunch, and multiple times in the evening. And it was just like a very set routine for him. And I would say that that's an addiction. It overran his whole life. Like we had to plan our whole schedule around him and it was similar with my mom's eating habits you know like she would never eat dinner with us it was a whole a whole nother way of food addiction like a lot of people think food addiction of like overeating but undereating and not eating the right amount of food too um is addiction and the way my addiction manifests itself like i said weed i think that's totally an addiction for me and it's a way to help me cope but i think another addiction is like being a workaholic that i've had to overcome um, thinking that like that addiction, like if I just do this next thing and work, if I get that next career jump, if I finish this project and people, people will think better of me or high, more highly of me. And then that means that I'm more fulfilled or that I'm okay. So I guess that's how my addiction has really manifested the most in my life. Um, and it all stems from, you know, I think upbringing and, and just seeing how addiction manifests in all these different ways in people that you care about. I think my favorite self-help author, her name is Gabby Bernstein. This is when I really started to uncover a lot of my like addictive patterns and like behaviors that I want to change in myself. Um, the first book that I read of hers uh, is called The Universe Has Your Back. And it's all about like how the world isn't against you and looking for like little signs from the universe to keep like a positive way of mind and um, to not like let yourself spiral down that shame spiral or depression or, or whatever. I've been coming back to her a lot and remembering like the universe has my back. So Gabby Bernstein, she's pretty fab. Hey y'all. Thank you to everyone who continues to reach out, especially those who have requested bracelets. They're going super fast and I love it. As a reminder for those of you who have not yet, I'm giving away free choose your struggle bracelets to anyone who reaches out through my website. It's that easy www.jayshifman.com. Go to the contact me page and reach out and tell me your address. Tell me that you heard this ad on the podcast and tell me if you want a purple bracelet for addiction awareness or a green bracelet for mental health awareness. That's all you have to do. It's that easy.
and keep reaching out because you may end up on the podcast. All right, back to the episode. Jay, thank you so much for having me on today. My name is Mike Patchen. Uh, I'm a startup junkie, entrepreneurial addict, team builder, functional fitness enthusiast, dog dad, and loyal loving husband. Uh, as CEO of Mountain Maid and president of M. Patchen LTD, I like to go, go like hell with nine years of cannabis experience, five years in hemp, three years in group fitness. I have three successful startups under my belt. Um, including the creation of patient programs out here in Colorado, interacting with children and adults with CBD as early as 2012, and over 100,000 direct interaction with cannabis patients in five years. Uh, looking forward to the conversation today. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, uh, th- yeah, thank you for being here. Really, really a joy. I, um, I have some pretty cool Colorado experience. My family my my parents have a place in Aspen and we grew up going to Aspen. My dad was a ski instructor there in college. So there's a huge uh, kind of family history. Both my parents went to Boulder at one point. Uh, so we got a lot of love for Colorado, but I have to start with, you know, we always start with your story and I definitely want you to tell me as much of that as you want. But first question, I saw that you went to Kent state. I'm an Ohio guy. Tell me about your Ohio experience and what took you from Ohio to Colorado. Yeah, great question. So uh, I'm an Ohio native, born and raised in Canton, Ohio. You know, I was actually at the University of Toledo um, studying pharmacy. There was an awesome four-year pharmacy program at Toledo. Um, On year two and a half, I was uh, delivering pizzas for a living and and quit my job to grab a free ticket to drive over to Purdue to see a string cheese concert. Um, and on the way home, we were pulled over and I had half gram of cannabis in my pocket. They arrested me. Um, it was a pretty serious charge with six months in jail on the line. Um, I was able to get a deferred sentence, work my way through a year of very, very strict probation. And during that time is when I decided to drop out of Toledo, move home with my parents, kind of get my act together and ended up at Kent State University and got a uh, a degree in business. Well, Kent is a fantastic school. I have an aunt that went to Kent. I went to Worcester for a year, so I was up in that area as well. Uh, and like you, I have a very similar experience. I, my, my roommate and I were dealing, this is when I was at Worcester, to probably a third of the campus, and we got arrested with a couple of other people. And, you know, it, it really opened my eyes to how this country treated weed and all this, you know, that, everything around that. Now, this was 2005, very different from today. What year was your arrest? Yeah, so 2003. And I agree, it's interesting to reflect back. That was 17 years ago. Um, and it was devastating. I mean, I almost lost my student loans. Um, you know, it was an overwhelmingly stressful year of my life. I had to go to drug addiction classes, 200 hours community service, etc. And now I'm a homeowner on two acres, successful small business owner uh, with two companies. Um, and, and, and it's just incredible how far that experience has carried me to the, to the current present day and where cannabis and CBD are now nationally and globally compared to when I was sitting in a jail cell in April of 2003. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me, and I'm sure you see this, on you're working in this industry, that the very same people who were telling us, you know, you 17 years ago, me 15 years ago, that, you know, we were criminals and what we were doing was wrong, are now people who are huge advocates for CBD and for medical marijuana and, and you know, legalizing marijuana and it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and I'm thankful that people were able to mature into, you know, better thought patterns and and kind of evolve with, you know, the, the wave of excitement around CBD and cannabis. Um, but at the same time, it's also difficult for me to, to, to look back and, you know, LinkedIn is a hard thing for me to be on because there's so many new people. Um, that have established themselves as experts and, and, and they really should be more in their learning curve than an established expert. But, you know, you see that in all emerging industries and usually like the, the saying goes, it all comes out in the wash. 
And that's one thing that at, at Mountain Made, the CBD company that I'm a partner in, is we really strive to bring good information out to people because there's an overwhelmingly large amount of bad and unqualified information out there. Uh, we do our best, even if, you know, Mountain Made is not bringing the product that best serves you to the table. We're actually going to tell you that and steer you into something that works best for your case. Uh, but we feel like we have a solid CBD product that hits a majority of the market uh, for several reasons. But I do these podcasts constantly. If you go on either my personal website or Mountain Maid's website, I'm always on podcasts doing my best to spread good information about cannabis and or CBD, whether it directly relates to sales of my products or companies. I just want people to have good tools to use in making decisions. So I definitely want to get deep into that. That's that's what I'm super excited about. Before we move in that direction, two things. One, I try to give my my guests here an opportunity to promote themselves ten times on this thing. So you know, please tell me your website, spell that out for us, and also your company's website. But also, let's then go back to you know, you you've been arrested, you transferred to Kent. You graduated, and then how do you get from there, being a, a industry leader in the CBD and and marijuana industry? Yeah, great. So let's start with Mountain Made, and I'm Ohio, so I'll say Mountain Made and, and lump <laughs> them all together. But it is Mountain Made. That's M A D E Mountain Made dot Life. We do CBD for the activated lifestyle. Uh, the base of our CBD uh, product system is high dose tablets. We have three different tablets to choose from. Um, you can get the whole system and integrate over 100 milligrams of CBD into your day-to-day regimen for um, under $170. This month uh, through April, we're actually doing a, a sale because we understand people are financially unstable right now. So you can get that whole system um, for, for, for under $100 at this point. Again, the Mount Made product system, uh, we hold steady to the idea that if you're taking less than 25 milligrams of CBD a day, you probably bought snake oil. We're promoting high dose, high dose, high dose. Uh, the other website for the company that, that I own and operate in the cannabis space is M Patchen LTD. That's M Patchen, P-A-C-H-A-N, LTD.com. I've been a wholesale operator in the cannabis space for over five years. I help people manage their brands, develop products, find sales channels, develop ambassador programs, et cetera. Um, and that's been a successful company of mine for over five years. Wow. So uh, first off, congratulations. That's awesome. Um, talk us through a little bit. So you, you graduated, you're going to Colorado. And also, it seems like for those of us who don't live in Colorado, in, in California, you know, I followed this pretty closely. I've always been a huge advocate of uh, legalizing cannabis and CBD and all that. But for a lot of people, it really seemed like one day, all of a sudden, this was all here. You were there during the growth of this. Can you talk a little bit about both your experience and also what that was like seeing this grow around you? Yeah, yeah. So I'll start with my story on how to even get out here first, because that kind of plays into how I entered the cannabis space so early. It was I literally tripped and fell into it, literally. So I get to Kent and, and I finish up school December December 2006. So I was six and a half year senior uh, was the joke. I, I barely graduated. It was just a tough transition and that arrest really kind of set me back mentally and a little bit physically as well. Um, so I graduate and I had an excellent opportunity. I jumped into a sales position with a small business out of Alliance, Ohio. It was friends of the family. They had been owner operators for 35, 40 years. And they taught me a lot. You know, they had an excellent onboarding team training program, a wonderful company culture. They sold packaging material, so flexible packaging. They trained me up for nine months and sent me down south to Atlanta and um, put me on the road for two years. And I was traveling between six and eight states over the course of two years, uh, helping them try to find and develop new business. And, and I'll be honest, at that point in time, I was a terrible salesperson. I just didn't get it. Um, I just was, you know, not very effective out in the field, but I worked hard. So after about three years of that company, I was ready to try something else. I just wasn't totally sold. 
on where I was living in my environment. I had a good friend group, you know, but it just wasn't me. Deep down, it just wasn't me. Um, and it just so happens a buddy of mine who I went to Kent State with, who was living out in Telluride, Colorado, called me and, and out of the blue, you know, said, hey, how, how's life? You know, where are you at? And I said, man, I'm about ready for a transition. And he said, well, I'm so glad you said that. I was up in the town today and someone put up a sign that said assistant manager needed at a ski rental store. And he said, drop out, leave everything that you're doing, get in a U-Haul and come live in my basement and let's do this thing this winter. And I sat down in front of my computer, Google Telluride, Colorado, and my gut feeling said, do it. And I did. A week later, I resigned. Uh, they let me go on the spot. I packed up a U-Haul and left. Um, October of 2009 and, and, and moved out to Telluride, Colorado and, and lived in a basement. Wow. So a couple of parallels between your and my story there. I also was a, see, I went to college in 2005 and graduated in 2012 with a couple of years off struggling with addiction in the middle. So I yeah. understood. And also just weird coincidence when you left on the spot to move to Telluride, October 2009, same month that I went to an inpatient center in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, while beginning my my efforts to end my addiction struggles. So very very weird parallels there, but I, I I'm I'm with it, man. I feel it. Yeah, it's a small world, you know. And I think <laughs> at the end of the day, we all go through similar struggles. You know, I I try to balance not you know because it's very easy for me I could talk through this whole podcast and, and and do nothing but really highlight and elevate myself and and you'd be like wow that Mikey sure has it all together and what a <laughs> successful guy but what I'm not telling you and what you wouldn't hear paints a different picture and, and I've had to work very very hard to to get to where I'm at in life uh, mentally and physically and I think sometimes that we need to come back and remind ourselves that struggle is okay the current place that you're in today may not be the place that you're in tomorrow. That's okay. Evolving as a person, mentally, physically, spiritually, happens to all of us. And we have a tendency to heroize people's stories. And, you know, I think it's just so important to reflect on the tough times. You know, I, I struggled with substance abuse, recreational drug use. I'm not proud of that, but I'm not afraid to say it either you know, and that's just part of my story. And it, I'm sure it also helps you in what you're doing today because you've seen what it's like when these things are not used correctly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and I'm a high drive person. Like my brain goes 24 seven. Part of my struggle and my journey was displacing that energy into something good. Mm -hmm. A college, it's not that it was boring. It's just, it didn't promote my work ethic. You know, when I was in high school, I worked doing labor jobs at a greenhouse and, and I, I never drank or did drugs at all in high school. I didn't have a reason to. I was busy. In college, that busyness slowed down and I was too young and immature to realize that that wasn't okay. And I was substituting that boredom with drugs and alcohol. And now in my thirties and, and coming into my forties here in a few years, I have a routine. I purposely bought a house and a property that needed remodeled. I have two small businesses. I'm self-employed. That's my addiction. That's where that energy goes into. Because I know if I'm getting all effed up all the time, I can't function. And I live a high-risk, high-reward lifestyle where if I'm not up every day grinding, there's no money coming in. I, I'm you know? with you right away, man. I feel that 100%. Yeah. So getting back to the story. So I move out to Telluride. 09 coming into the winter of 2010, had a ball. Um, you know, what the job out of college taught me was how to be professional. I saw the opportunities. I was in front of a lot of small business owners. It really honed me in professionally and, and gave me a great platform to start to build my career from. What Telluride showed me is, is, you know, Colorado was a lifestyle that I really wanted from the people and the activities. So then that April, I went seasonally unemployed because the ski industry shuts down and I had an opportunity to, to literally trip and fall into cannabis and what the cannabis space has allowed me is to merge personal and professional. And I tell people I'm now professional at being myself. That's what this industry has blessed me with after 10 years of being involved in it. 
I'm going to steal that. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to start saying that. No, go ahead, man. Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) professionally being yourself, and I think that's something a lot of us strive to do. You know, it took me 10 years to get to where I'm at. The first five years in the cannabis space were a struggle. I was broke. I was trying a lot of different things. The past five years have been incredible. You know, so I had an investment period that I had to roll through for five years, and now it's showing a, a massive return. Um but you want to hear the story how I tripped and fell into it? It's kind of interesting. I do, and especially because you were tripping and falling into it like during what was essentially the gold rush of the uh, legal cannabis industry. Yeah, I mean, hell, I was even in it before the gold rush. Like <laughs> when we were still like, man, are our doors going to get kicked in? So there I am in April, and I'm sitting in my apartment, and, and I didn't really plan too well for off season. I was playing decent, but you know, the whole town shuts down and. Now I'm going, I can't sit still for six weeks. That would be devastating. I can't, I'm not the personality that can do that. What do I do? You know? And so as I was getting ready to transition out of my job in the South and move to Tiger, I picked up a couple self-help books about manifesting and cultivating your own reality. And and then of course in Colorado, they just eat that up, right? That's in normal day-to-day conversation. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, I'm going to have faith in my newfound beliefs and I'm going to manifest a job. I'm going to put on my headphones and I'm going to walk around this town until I find a job. So I leave my apartment and I'm ready to go manifest a job. And I make it like six doors up and a door opens and hits me. Boom. (laughs) And this big fella, this kind of redneck hillbilly fella comes out and says, what are you doing? And he said, what are you doing? And he slapped a sign on the door and it was handwritten. It said, Coke Pelly Wellness now open. He said, I'm opening a dispensary, moving in tonight, opening the doors tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, well, that's interesting. I'm looking for a job. He said, well, come unload my truck. Let's talk. So I helped him unload his truck. We brought inventory in. We set up the internet. Uh, we got the systems up and running. And at that time, we were dialing a doctor, opening a laptop, dialing into a chiropractic's office in in Denver. So I test ran that. They approved me as a medical marijuana patient. I faxed over the paperwork. We got it all signed. I ran it down to the post office. I just showed them that I had a work ethic and a brain. And at the end of the night, he said, well, congratulations. You're hired. You start tomorrow. Come run the (laughs) shop for me. I'll pay you $10 an hour. And I said, that's awesome. And and that's literally how I got my start in in the cannabis space. That's that's a great story, man. Yeah, yeah, and and let me tell you something. It's not like when you see it on CNN or CSNBC now, where it's like glamorous and cool. Like it was a shop that was haphazard, and we were growing weed out of a house legally, and we were trimming up weed on the spot, and it was just a totally different environment. And I was so pumped to have that job that summer. It was just one of the coolest summers of my life. So as as you hinted at earlier, you know, this is still at the time where the rest of the country is looking at Colorado and California like, you crazy hippies, what do you think you're doing? What was that like living in that scenario where, as you hinted before, as you said before, like, you were scared. Is this a thing that we can actually do? Yeah, so it was interesting because there's a duality to it because you got to keep in mind that I was in Telluride, and Telluride is a whole different realm of life, right? I mean, you're For people that don't know what Telluride is, imagine a cul-de-sac, like a dead end. And in this little town sits in a cul-de-sac of the mountains. So it dead ends in the mountains. You have mountains on three sides of you. There's maybe 2,000 people that live there. It's eight blocks by 12 blocks. And it's a very small, tight-knit community. And and we just opened the third dispensary or weed shop in town. The, The rules and regs were flexible. You know, so I was sitting outside on the sidewalk, chatting with people, high five. And so the, the people in the town were totally fine with it. The out-of-staters who couldn't even purchase at that time because it was medical only were blown away by it. So I was hiding it from my family for a few years because I didn't even know how to tell people what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, how to even tell them, oh, yeah, you know, we're legally selling weed because we didn't really even get it. We we're following the rules, but the rules were changing all the time. So when I finally started to disclose it, you know, people were telling me to 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 get a real job, to grow up, you know, to to get a sense of purpose in life, and you know all the things that any good entrepreneur is gonna hear, sure. you know, when you're walking around, you know, and I'm not comparing myself to Bill Gates by any means, please, but you know he's walking around campus with punch cards 
talking about technology that other people couldn't see. And, and, and you know, people are like, man, you got to get it. You know, or Dyson, who was in his backyard making 5,000 prototypes for 10 years before it ever clicked. You know, and, 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 and you hear these successful entrepreneurs, and, and again, not putting myself in that same realm, I have a, a long way to work towards, but that same story, I was being told that same story. You know, get a life, get, get responsible, you know, grow up. You're going to almost going to be 30, like do something with yourself. And I had a gut feeling and a vision that said, if I stick this out, there's a point and purpose to this and, and I'll be damned, you know, there is and there was. So. Yeah. And obviously you were proven right. Not, not just you, but everyone who was working hard 10 years ago to produce this environment we're in now when it comes to legal cannabis and the CBD industry. So you sort of got to participate in the trial and error of that living in Colorado at this time. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And that's really what drew me in is, you know, I would sell someone a bag of weed legally and chuckle about it, but then they'd come back and they'd be like, man, you know, like my anxiety seems to be better or I skied better today or my knee pain or this, that, and the other. And so I started to kind of catalog that mentally and the first five years of my career, I spent in what are now called retail settings or dispensaries, talking to patients and customers and asking open-ended questions and, and seeing people start to evolve with the use of their cannabis therapies and logging and cataloging it all. And it was just an incredible experience. I mean, the youngest person I've ever helped legally uh, was 14 months old and that wow. was through, yeah, you know, and there was a double sign off from physicians and parents and, and it was all the paperwork was in line and, you know, we were selling them CBD THC oils to help with severe epilepsy. Mm -hmm. The oldest person I've ever helped was in their nineties and everywhere in between. Um, so it's been just a, a wealth of, you know, really cool experience there. But at first, you know, it just started out as, as a way to sell bags of weed and not go to jail again for it. <laughs> so I think you make a really good point, and that is that the evolution in thinking around all the ways that cannabis can help, and we're seeing it now where, so I smoke CBD all the time. I smoke it because I love what it does for me, and two, I miss the days of smoking cannabis the way I used to. But I, I, I just don't anymore. So I, I love the taste. I love the smell. But this is a thing that is currently evolving, let alone as what you were just pointing to, which is the different ways different strains of cannabis can help us. You know, my wife and I have gone to shops in Colorado and what works for her doesn't work as well for me. How hard is that? Is that mostly through your own experience or is there a lot of information now coming out about different strands and different ways that it can help. Yeah. So first of all, check out mountain made again, mountain made <laughs> mountain made dot life. We just launched a line of organic smokable hemp, but I, I love to smoke hemp as well. You know, just that cannabinoid rich smoke and, and, and all that goodness coming in your body. So currently with, with strains and, you know, uh, efficacy for certain ailments it's still a little bit up in the air right now you know they're still trying to sort through all that but I can tell you if you get a job behind a dispensary uh, counter and you work that job for a month and you see a thousand people and you ask a hundred of them you know how did the Durban poison make you feel 85 to 90 out of those hundred people are going to say very very similar stuff hmm. you know so that's what's cool to watch the synergies start to build and the strata start to build of, you know, the data points coming into data sets and then equaling information. Um, it's going to take decades for people to really narrow it down. But as we do, we're going to see some really cool evolution of products. I mean, I can smoke flour and, and pick different strains from the same grower and can feel a massive difference for me. I have to shy away from Bruce Banner, especially Bruce Banner number three. I just can't function on it. Huh. I'll stand in front of the washing machine and go, what am I down here for? <laughs> so, where I smoke on a strain like Durban Poison or Spec Ops and I'm so engaged in my day and so overwhelmed with mental clarity and I get so much done. You know, I smoke weed either way. 
but those terpenes, the different molecules in cannabis are affecting and driving that THC to provide a different effect. And that's real. There's fact. That's fact behind that, the entourage effect. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of it's a bit of a personal journey. You know, for me, I struggle eating cannabis. Um, when you ingest cannabis, like an edible, your liver reconverts the THC and amplifies the effect. I can't handle it from a mental perspective. It's overload. You know, there's other people that swear by edibles and it just goes back and forth and back and forth. So it's very much a personal journey, but there's definitely general stratas built that can help guide someone to get a foothold to start their journey and provide a pretty low risk situation where, you know, you won't get overwhelmed and you'll be able to start your journey correctly, which is cool in itself. That is an awesome point. I, you know, you and I, I think are lucky that we started when we were younger. And so not in the sense of, you know, I definitely would never advocate that just anyone should go try weed when they're in their teens without someone like you or someone helping them through this. But we were able to get into our minds, okay, there are positives and negatives to this. So understanding that it's not a new thing for us, right? What would you say to someone who, you know, I don't know, our parent, someone like our parents' generation who their only idea of cannabis or marijuana is, you know, back in the, in the 60s, what they used to smoke. Talk a little bit about how different it is today and, and, and how you would encourage them to start using it in a safe way. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, if someone's not open to it, I just don't bother. I did a podcast earlier this morning, and I don't really think that gentleman was, he was wondering why they're considered essential businesses. It's just like booze, it's just an intoxicant. And I said, look, it's not my responsibility to break down those walls for you. You know, pull up www.google.com and start there. <laughs> you know, because the fact is, is that Israel has been studying cannabis for a decade the fact is is they're driving science-based studies that show you know cannabis has therapeutic value the fact is is i've helped a hundred thousand patients in colorado and i've seen it provide therapeutic value so if you can't get to there it's a lost cause and that's sure. okay you know no problem but for people that are opening you know up there to, to look listen and learn you know it's you can walk into any dispensary in Colorado and, and the staff, the bud tenders are ready to help you. You know, they're ready to ask questions to start to kind of filter you out. Like, what are you looking for in cannabis? It's more refined. It's so, so, so think of it like this 60s, 70s, even when you and I were going to college, right? When I beat my drug dealer in college and said, I need weed, I got a bag of weed. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what genetic it was. Right. Therefore, I didn't know what response to expect. Therefore, I didn't know if I was ever getting that same genetic or strain the second, third, fourth, fifth, fiftieth time. So it was hard for me to even build a result-based diary. I had no idea. You know, I'd smoke weed in college. It'd make me paranoid. I'd smoke weed in college. It'd make me feel great. And you can never figure that out. Now that we have a baseline where cultivation site A, B, C are all growing you know, in-house genetics and then bringing them into products that the consumers can buy. And then those products are consistent. Um, you know, that helps people create a foothold. And that's where you kind of have to take your past experience with marijuana and cannabis and dissolve it and start fresh. The consistency of products and product availability in itself offers a different platform to start from. That's a wonderfully put. Thank you. And I, I really appreciate the point that on a personal level, look, this isn't for everyone and nor should it be. And if someone's not open to it, you know, they don't, they don't have to be. The only question I would have on that is someone who has been doing this for a long time. What about people who are in a position of power, you know, here in, in South Carolina where I live, there's literally one person and there are paper, there's articles in the paper about this, that the only person fully advocating against even medical marijuana is the head of the policeman's union here in South Carolina, very outspoken against it. And for that reason, he is holding back an entire state 
how do we approach someone like that who is just so closed off? And again, they don't have to accept it personally, but they are keeping thousands, millions of people from being able to have access. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know exactly how that person got into the position of power, but if it's through any type of voting, you get out to the polls and you start to vote, right? You know, um, thankfully enough, the governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, uh, announced that, you know, he sees the cannabis industry as an essential industry for various reasons, including tax revenue. Um, the mayor of Denver came out and tried to shut that down in Denver, claiming that we're non-essential. That lasted less than three hours. Wow. And, you know, we contacted him via phone, email, Twitter, and he reversed that policy in under three hours, right? And, and brought the industry back online, you know. So, you know, it is unfortunate to see people who are, are basing a decision off, you know, misinformation or fact lists information um it 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 really is because again it's not for everyone cannabis isn't for everyone it's for a lot of people and you know just as much as i can make the decision to you know go down to the liquor store and buy booze or you know take a vitamin or go to yoga or crossfit like there's so many choices that regard health and wellness um that that we do have the ability uh to reach ourselves It, it seems it's getting to a level of absurdity that, that any one person could hold back cannabis in a, in a, from a state of state's rights perspective. You know, it's, there's going to be some of the last dominoes to fall and they're going to be a bear to push over, but there's no doubt that they're going to hit a tipping point at, you know, some point you would think it has to happen in the next three to five years, at least at a state level, you know, and there may be states that choose, to not have medical or recreational cannabis, but you would hope that that state is making a choice statewide involving as many people in that decision loop as possible. And I think that you're right. We're getting to that point. I I don't think that, you know, 20 years ago, before either one of us had been arrested, when if you're anything like me, you're, you're smoking in your buddy's basement trying to make sure his mom doesn't come down we would have thought that we'd be at this position in 2020. So I think we are seeing that progress. And what's amazing is that, you know, places like Colorado that have completely legalized it, there have been so many positive benefits that it is getting harder and harder for states to say, no, we shouldn't do this. The newer one, at least newer on a national scale, is the CBD piece. You are seeing, I mean, we even have that here now. There's a store downtown in Charleston that I love. I go there all the time. Talk a little bit about how, you know, what that was like seeing that come up out of the legal cannabis industry and how people like you have really maximized the use of this for health and wellness reasons. Yeah. You know, I mean, originally when CBD standalone popped up, it didn't really pop. And a lot of that, the reason behind it is the oil at post extraction was not being refined. So the dosing that was being handed out to people was so small, it just wasn't effective. You know, and again, touching on the Mountain Made high-dose product system, science is continuing to show over and over and over again, CBD is only effective in high doses. So when it first got to market, people were like, this is snake oil, CBD doesn't work. What they were really saying and what they hadn't understood yet is we don't have a carrier or a delivery system to deliver the, the dose um, that that will create therapeutic value you know because the extraction methods back then were crude and all you were doing was pulling raw oil which is 40 to 50 percent potent and you know to get a hundred milligram dose out of 40 to 50 percent cbd oil i mean you're talking about having to consume five to six shot glasses of that oil you know, which is disgusting to think about. So the volume of CBD product that you would have had to consume to hit a therapeutic dose outweighed any benefit that you might have wanted. So it didn't pop at first. But as it started to mature, you know, people like myself saw the opportunities in it um, and were able to combine past experience in the cannabis space um, with market experience and, and, and start to create some really nice products that do have a high level of efficacy, you know, and you can find a, a quality result 
from CBD therapy nowadays, thanks to the ability, you know, these awesome extractors out in out in the industry who are able to refine that raw oil and create a more more usable product. Well, I love it. I I swear by you know sort of to an earlier point of yours, I never tell any of my clients like you definitely have to do this. I just say if this is a thing you're open to, I very much recommend it. I think it works very well. Um, but you know, to your point earlier, it's not for everyone. And if someone doesn't want to try it, that's cool. There are other other things that you can do. Yeah. So talk a little the nice bit. The nice about CBD is that it's just low risk. You know, because yeah. you're getting the benefits of all the cannabinoids. Sometimes even trace amounts of THC without the risk of becoming too euphoric or too psychotropic, which is the key, you know, key element of THC. That's what you consume THC for is psychotropic euphoria, right? You know, I love smoking weed. I like to be high. I function really well when I'm high. Some people don't. So CBD has been able to gain national traction because there's not that fear element to, oh, if I take too much CBD, I'm going to drool on myself or eat a bag of chips or be lazy. So, you know, it's allowed people access to, you know, cannabinoids and cannabinoid therapy without the mental fear or risk of ingesting too much THC. Well, that's awesome. And I think that's a really good uh, marketing piece for why more people should at least give it a shot. Uh, what else? So we're, we're we got to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but a couple of questions I always like to ask people at the end. Number one. What are, besides, you know, THC or, or besides CBD and cannabis, what are your personal uh, self-care habits? And second, who, are, who is someone or multiple people that you look up to, not necessarily in your industry, but can be as well, that you think we should all, uh, we, we should all check out? Yeah. Um, so let's start with, uh, you know, my day-to-day is I'm very routine-based. Um, I gave myself like a two week flexibility with this current crisis just because it is stressful and we're all in a little bit unknown. But starting this week, I'm back waking up to an early alarm. So if we take this current crisis out of the out of the picture, you know, my routine is a plus important to me. I get up between 430 and five o'clock in the morning. I work late. Um, I, I work out, you know, three to five times a week. Um, I love to do projects at my house, at my home to keep me busy. Um, you know, I eat um, 80% healthy with 20% gimmies. <laughs> you know, um, I enjoy downtime. You know, I, I love to watch American Pickers on TV, like seeing them collect old junk is always really exciting to me. Uh, I read books, again, to keep my brain busy. Um, so it's really for me all about staying busy, but healthy busy because I, you know, busy can also become a disease in itself. My wife helps me balance that staying busy for me, but learning how to balance that busy is, has been a challenge. So projects that we're rolling out during the crisis, we decided to start, we, we, we have a big property and we've wanted to put a garden space in. So we're committing to that. Um, we're going to fence in a 3,500 square foot space with 450 square foot of growing space. We're starting all of our own plants from seed. Um, again, I do all, all the, the maintenance and the remodeling in the home. Um, and it's just something I enjoy. You know, again, I have enough energy where if I don't displace it, it's going to get displaced into habits that I don't want to get back into. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I think that that's actually, you are now the second person who, maybe the third, uh, who has said that having very strong habits is something that's very important to them. Yeah, I think strong habits, you know, it gives you something to lean into, you know, and again, that's from a broad stroke standpoint, people are like, oh, if I just have habits, I won't wake up with Sunday scaries. No, no, no. I still have Sunday scaries. I eat 500 milligrams of CBD a day. I have the luxury of smoking as much weed as I want to all day. And Almost every Sunday, I have the Sunday scaries. What I'm able to do through my routines is mitigate the fallout from those Sunday scaries. You know, if I wake up at 6 a.m. on a Sunday and I'm overwhelmed, I have a property, I make my morning coffee, I put on my headphones, and 
Um, I go out and do a chore. I pick up after the dogs, right? I'll, I'll leave it at that. I pick up after the dogs. You know, that's a chore I say for Sundays because I have a two acre property and I'm able to just walk around and, and breathe fresh air and be in my podcast. Um, and, and, and it helps, right? It's helpful. You know, if I'm still, you know, feeling nervous throughout the day, I'll pull the cars out of the garage and clean the garage, right? That energy is coming from a place of manic or anxiety, but it's what I do with that energy. And because I have healthy patterns of I like to take care of my house, I always have something to do. And that's very important to me. It's not to say that it cured my anxiety. There's no cure for me. I'll always have it. It's what I'm able to do and how I'm able to control that that makes a difference in my life now where before I just ran down to the bar and started slugging. Hell, at that point, it was hard liquor, mm -hmm. you know, to diffuse the situation. But all it did was make it worse the next day, right? That is all very, very well put and, and very helpful towards what I talk about on this podcast. So thank you. Final Great. question. Who is someone or someone's that you look up to that we should all be checking out? Yeah. I mean, John Maxwell, I was introduced. So the, the job I got out of college, they did a lot of Christian based leadership camps and opportunities. Um, what's great about John Maxwell is you can be secular or non-secular and he leads in both those camps because he knows there's a division uh, secular and non-secular and a lot of times people won't cross that line so he's a christian based leadership guru who's able to transcend both those lines so regardless what camp you're in you're able to pull a ton from him i binge listen to his podcast i'll listen to him three four five times over and over again um he's brilliant and he's just common sense based logic he has such a great viewpoint of life. He's able to dig deep into himself and say things like we've said on this podcast where here's how I fail as a person and a leader. Here's how I grew. And, you know, he's just one of the most honest, straightforward, straight shooting people you really could ever expose yourself to. I've read a lot of his books and I've based a lot of my leadership programs that I put together for my clients in the cannabis space based off John Maxwell and they work every single time that's wonderful uh thank you for for telling that and anyone who's listening who wants to check them out definitely definitely go do so let's close with one more time telling us where we can find you yeah great so again uh my name is mike thank you so much for your time um please let me know how i can help um we're found at mountainmade.life or M Patchen, P A C H A N M Patchen, LTD.com. Uh, I love to talk about cannabis and hemp. I'm currently onboarding new clients for my business uh, development, business advisory services. Would love to chat with uh, folks that are interested in that. Um, and if anyone would like to check out the CBD, mountainmade.life, we're currently doing a buy one, get one. So buy a build which is our base uh, product for our program, uh, high-dose program, and get either a boost or recover for free just to try and cater towards people that have been financially hit. Um, and we also know it's just important for people to keep those levels up right now, so we just want to make it as cost-effective as possible. Uh, and they can find that at mountainmade.life. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just I don't even know where to begin? Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, welcome back. How awesome. 
how awesome were Missy and Mike, right? What a great episode. I uh I just I, I'm like so thankful. It's it's amazing that I got both of them on here. It makes me incredibly happy. I hope you enjoyed Missy's shout out and Mike's interview and found that one as interesting as I did. I, I was just fascinated by everything Mike had to say. So um the good news is it is time for one of my favorite parts of every episode, and that is the choose your card segment. Some other good news. My shipment from Blurt came in earlier this week, which means I have even more cards to share with you. Uh, this one is from a new pack. It's called 54 Reasons Why You Matter, which is just fantastic. It just it just makes me smile. So, new pack, and the first card from that is going to be... Oh, oh, this is fun. Today you are you. That is truer than true. There is no one alive that is youer than you. Obviously, that is from Dr. Seuss. Fun fact, Dr. Seuss actually pronounced his name Dr. Saus. That is the German pronunciation of his, I want to say it was his grandmother's maiden name. I may be wrong about that fact, but Dr. Saus, we just say Dr. Seuss. Anyway, he's amazing. This card is fantastic. That is true. No one is more you than you. I actually just had a conversation about that with uh, my coach who you heard a couple episodes ago, Christian Zavo, about why it was it's so important for people to get over their own roadblocks because at the end of the day, nobody knows your story like you do. No one knows your life the way you do. If someone ever tries to tell you something otherwise, like that's ridiculous. You are in your own skin. Now, is there a perspective from outside your body that people can enlighten you on of course there is but nobody knows what you've gone through or how it's affected you more than you do so that's a great one that is a reason why you matter because you are you so we've come to the end of the episode which means that it's time for your good egg um you heard me say earlier in the beginning of the episode that you know it's been a tough health week for me um, again, still waiting on some test results and all that kind of jazz. I want to leave you with this. I, I was sent to a specialist. I'm not going to get into everything. Uh, you know, hopefully by the time this comes out, everything's clear and everything's great and you know, whatever. But I was sent to a specialist and it didn't go well. She was very dismissive. Not only was she dismissive of my experience, but she was dismissive of my doctor, which was super weird to me. Like she told me, that not only was the pain I was feeling and, and the symptoms I was going through wrong, like she actually said that, but she said, and your doctors messed up the two tests that confirmed the symptoms I was going through, which was super weird to me. Like, it'd be one thing if she was just like, no, 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 you're overreacting. Like, okay, that's a terrible thing for a doctor to say, at least show some empathy, but for her to also be like, and your doctors suck, like, that's just, you're having a bad day at this point and you're taking it out on your patient. So... That was unfortunate. I left there very upset, not because, look, like, I hope she's right. I hope she, that I'm just feeling weird <laughs> and, and everything that, that I'm feeling is wrong and that my doctors were wrong. Like, that would be amazing. But it, she didn't say it with a, with a sense of caring. It was like a get out of my office kind of experience. And it was really weird. So I called my doctor and the receptionist had me explain what happened. And, and when I was done, she was quiet for a minute and she went oh my god like she was like flabbergasted and she said um you know i'm really sorry that you're feeling that way and i'm really sorry that you had that experience something along those lines and she made me feel better so your good egg for this episode is pretty simple show someone you care right that receptionist had more of an impact on me than this specialist who went to years of medical school blah 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 you know yada 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 <laughs> because the, the specialist did not care. He just flat out did not care. Like her own assistant had to tell her, like I was begging her to at least do another test. And the uh, and her her assistant kind of jumped in and was like, you know, he did say, like, like was kind of being like, hey, doc, why don't you give this guy more than just a minute of your time, you know? And the receptionist could not have been more of the opposite, right? Was just so caring, was so patient, was so validating. She heard me. And it, it had so much more of an effect on me. So your good egg for this episode is show someone you care. You know, if someone is not feeling great, instead of 
just dismissing it, tell them, man, it sucks you're going through that. You know, if someone's feeling a feeling right now, which they aren't struggling with, because we all are, just say, yeah, I'm with you. You know, that, that, that sucks. And I'm, I'm there too. And we're going to get through this together. So show some empathy, show you care, be with people. Uh, I love you all. And I will see you next episode. Oh, and remember, choose your struggle.